Will you turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, please, chapter 6? That will be our text for today. You can take your Bible, set them on your laps if you would. Allow me to start by quoting from Matthew 11, <coughs> verse 28. The book of God is written to God's people. The world hears the words of God with the ears of the flesh. But only God's people hear with the ears of the heart. Only by God's grace will any flesh hear the word of God with the heart. Our Lord says to those who hear with ears of the heart, Come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Only God can give rest to a laborous soul. What do you mean by laborous soul, John? Well, we're raised to think this. If you do good, you will receive good. Those of us who are a little bit older, and some of the rest of us know that that's not always true, don't we? That's what it means to labor. Work at. We're brought up to think that we have a little flame of goodness in us if we just fan it. Just put a little fan to that flame, you know, like you do at the fire pit in the campsite. And it'll get better. You can be a better person. Labor. Come unto me, all you who labor. Labor for what? Labor for self-righteousness. Labor for the righteousness of your flesh. As we get older, we find out that all that labor was for naught. When God opens our hearts to the truths of his words, we find out that there is no righteousness in us. No, everything I did good throughout my life I did for my glory. All the goodness that came from me as I was walking through this world was so people would look at John and say, there, there goes a good guy. He's not, he's not so bad. He, he hasn't killed anybody. He hasn't done any prison time for whatever it was he didn't get caught at. So he's, he's a pretty good guy. Everything I did was to make people look at me like I'm okay. And to hide the fact that there is no righteousness in any, in any man. We all come into this world dead in trespasses and sin. That's God's word. That's the Creator's word who tells us we are all dead in trespasses and sin. That's how we were born. But until He speaks that to our heart, we're going to go through this world thinking, I can be okay. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Lord says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke, he says, upon you, and learn of me. Learn of the one who is God Almighty in the flesh. Paul says, I wish to know nothing of you save Christ and Him crucified. Why is that? Because that's Jesus Christ, the Lord. 
Everything in this book was written that God's people might look to the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. That's grace. That's the grace of God and what He has done for us. That's the love of God for His people and what He did by giving His Son as our substitute. Laying everything that you and I deserve upon His Son, the Lord Jesus, when He went to that cross and washed away the sins of His people with His own precious blood. He washed them away for good. There's the rest. There's the rest that God's people have. It's not in what we do to make ourselves look good. It's in what He did to make us perfect. We're perfect in our Savior. God will not accept anything less than perfect. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Rest in me, he says. I will give you rest. We usually think of those words as being a gospel invitation, don't we? Uh, you know, maybe it's just to the lost. Maybe to one who's never heard the gospel preached before. No, 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 no. God's people know that those words speak to us right now. The Lord first opened my ears to His truth in 1999. As most of you know, I'm really bad at math, so we'll just go back however many years that was. These words, these words mean just as much to me now as the first time I heard them. We must not place a limitation of God's Word just upon words of invitation to those who have never heard. These are words to you and I that edify us and build us up. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. These are gospel words of grace. It addresses the needy souls, both lost and saved. All religions fall under, fall under two, two categories. Works or grace. If you follow any religion, any religion, if you follow any religion, pick any one you want, you follow it down to its core belief, it either comes down to one of two things. It's either going to come down to you doing something you have to do to earn your salvation, or it's going to come to sit back and rest in the one who's done it all for you. John, why are you... Uh, why are you hounding so much on resting? Have you ever heard of the Sabbath? Sabbath day was a day where Israel was supposed to sit back and rest. Supposed to work six days and then take the seventh day and rest. Well, it wasn't something to do to save themselves. It was a day that you were supposed to do that just so you could picture, you could relate. We come to the table not for salvation, but to relate to the one who saved us. It was his body. It was His body that was beaten and scourged for our sakes. It was His blood that was shed where ours deserved to be shed. Every religion comes down to one of two things, works or grace. Either you must do something to prove to others, see how, see how religious I am? I wear a coat of beautiful attire. I, I swing back and forth incense so that everything smells pretty around me. I go to church on Sunday. Some say if I go to church on Saturday. See how religious I am? 
something to prove to others or even to prove to yourself that you are saved or the Lord Jesus Christ has done it all for you and you rest in him God's people sometimes wonder am I saved you ever wonder that you ever wonder am I saved you ever stopped and thought how could I think that do you know that if you doubt God's word you have sinned against God if you're reading God's word and you say oh I don't believe that you're calling God a liar I don't know. Could that be true? You've just called God a liar. Do you ever look at God's word and say, how can that be true? In the Old Testament, God uses many, many experiences where Israel was to go into a town and wipe everybody out. What? Could that be true? Could that be truly God's word? Go in and wipe everything out? Man, woman, child, old person, cow, dog, every living thing had to be cleaned out and, and wiped completely out. That's what God's Word was. <coughs> yeah. God's Word is true. That's a picture of what God is going to do to sin. That's what God is going to do to sin. He's going to wipe it all out. It's going to be all erased. Either you're going to go to, damn, to, to hell in damnation, trying to pay for your sins for eternity, or Christ has done it for you. Works, grace. Works is the labor of man, grace is the labor of Christ. Am I saved? How can I be saved with thoughts that are sometimes very, very, very unchristian-like? My faith, my trust at times is so weak see the things of this world and my thoughts plague me. How could God love an unworthy wretch like me? In Romans 5, 6 we read these words for when we were yet without strength. If you're asking yourself that question, if you've ever asked yourself that question, how could God love an unworthy wretch like me? May he give you an answer right here in Romans 5, verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, folks, the world doesn't believe that they're ungodly. How dare you tell me I'm not godly? I go to church every Sunday. How dare you tell me I'm not godly? I got into baptism. I was baptized. How dare you tell me I'm not godly? I've never hit my wife. Whatever you want to say, I made a decision at such and such a date to come to the Lord. How dare you tell me I'm not godly? The world doesn't believe they're not godly. Only God's people are brought to the point of a broken and contrite heart. Only God can break a heart of one of His people and give them a new heart that understands, I am ungodly. Verse 7, it says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love towards us, towards His chosen people, to those the Father hath given Him before the world was, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. That word saved, that means it's done. It's like He said on the cross, it is finished. 
You see, that's the point of grace. It's through Him. Through the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's through Him. None of us are worthy. None of for whom He died deserve His mercy. All for whom He quickens, makes alive, have sinned against God and deserve His wrath. I like this. Uh, I, I think I'm quoting this correctly. One of the old pastors uh, said this. He says, Mercy is God not giving us what we have earned. Grace is unmerited favor. Undeserved favor. God looking upon us and not giving us what we have earned. Resting in the finished works of Christ Jesus the Lord is so very, very, very unnatural to mankind. Our old nature is, what must I do? Surely there is something that I must do. Putting all this world and its chaos into the hands of my Savior is a very difficult thing. Do you know that? Do you ever see that problem? Putting everything at the feet of Jesus? Are you not like I? Are you not like me? There's something I've got to be able to do to fix this. Something. Resting in the finished works of Christ is so very unnatural for us. Surely there's something I can do. Putting our trust, putting the world and its chaos in the hands of our sovereign God is difficult. It goes against our nature. Jonah was as all of God's children are, all of God's chosen people are, had to be taught by the Lord. We must all be taught of God. The Lord of all glory. That salvation is of the Lord alone. There's an article by a man by the name of Tom Harding. I want to bring this to you. Comfort in trouble is the, time of his, uh, is the title for his article. He says, believing, being a believer in Jesus Christ and resting in His good providence does not exempt us from trouble. Trials, sorrow, heartaches in this life, our Lord said, in this world ye shall have tribulation. That's in John 16.33. But here's our comfort and our help and our rest. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. That's in Psalms 46.1. Our blessed Lord said these words. He says, Come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Come boldly to Him. Oh, I know I'm a sinner, but what must I do? Come boldly. Come boldly to Him. Grace. Uh, uh, our gracious God has promised wisdom to understand the trials. That's in John, James 1 verse 5. Grace to endure and bear the trial. It's in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Faith to trust and believe God through the trial. It's in Romans 4. Peace to rest in His purpose, knowing that this trial works to our eternal good. That's in Romans chapter 28. Romans 8, verse 28. Hope, you, hope to rejoice in our Lord and Savior who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee in Hebrews 13, 5. Surely we must conclude that we are needy and sinful creatures and that the Lord Jesus Christ is our only resource of help, our only place of rest. Philippians 4.19. Tom Hardy wrote those. You need peace? Is there trouble plaguing you from within or from without? I tell you, there's only one rest in this world of death. And I pray the Lord will teach us this day to rest in His Son Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at verse 1 of Luke chapter 6. 
And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first. Do you find that strange? There was only one Sabbath day. That was the seventh day of the week. That was the seventh year after six. There was only one Sabbath day. Why is, why is the Lord inspired Luke to write here? And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first. Was the first put away? Yes, it was. The first was just a picture of him who would put it away. Now continue on, and we'll see the answer to that in just a moment. That he went and... Uh, uh, let me restart the beginning. And, he came, and it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he, speaking of our Lord, went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. Now folks, that was, that was sacrilegious. To those Jews who praised themselves for fulfilling what they thought they were fulfilling, the Word of God, don't you do any work on Saturday. That's the Sabbath day. They didn't see the truth as to what the Sabbath day pointed to. To the Lord Jesus Christ, our Sabbath. Go on, verse 2. And a certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful? What are you doing? How dare you do that? To do on the Sabbath days. And Jesus answering them said, Have ye not read so much as this, what David did when he when himself was a hungered, and they which were with him? How he went into the house of God and did take the, and eat the showbread and gave also unto them that were with him, which it is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. There was, there was some bread that would be put away, some some uh, bread to be put away that only the, the the priest could eat it. Look at verse five. And he said unto them, that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. That's the second Sabbath. The first one was works. The second one is grace. You see, that's what Jesus Christ going to the cross is all about. It's about being gracious to you and I. It's about being merciful to you and I who deserve His wrath, yet He took our wrath upon Himself. Can you get any more gracious than that? Can you get any more loving than that? Matthew 12, verse 8, we read this word, we read it this way. Matthew puts it this way, he says, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is fulfilled in Him. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. That's the word Sabbath. I will give you Sabbath. I will give you rest. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. That's the title for today's message. The Lord of rest. I tell you this day, the only rest you will ever find in this world of death is the one who is Lord of all. The sovereign God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you this also, you will not come to Him that you may have peace. I'm speaking to all. All of those who are called and to all of those who have not yet been called by the Lord of glory. Turning away from our old nature of judging my ways is a very difficult thing to do. It's a continuing battle. Our tendency is to look into the mirror and see what this flesh is doing. How can I be saved with thoughts like that going through my mind? 
Maybe you can relate to this. In my old self, I had no care for the sin that I am. I wasn't a bad person as some, therefore. There was enough good in me to relieve my conscience of what I was. Yet now my sin plagues me every day. Does it plague you? Does your sin plague you? Listen to the words of Psalms in the Psalm 34, 18, the psalmist. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Christ came to sinners. In Isaiah 57, 15, we read these words, For thus saith the high and lofty one, the one who rules all things by his sovereign grace, the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high, in the high place and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. The re, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. In Ezekiel 36, 26, we read this, A new heart will I also give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the old stony heart. He must give us the heart, a contrite and broken, and broken spirit. Out of your flesh will I give you a heart of flesh, he says. This is that new heart. A heart that seeks the will of God. I ask you, do you seek the will of God? Turn over to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 to the right. Has God the Holy Spirit given you a heart to seek His will? If so, it had to come from Him because our nature is not to seek the Lord of God, but to run from Him. And as children of God, if, if we know the Word of God, we know this to be true about ourselves. Before He caused the light to shine in our hearts, the new heart that we just read He gave us, this is what we were. John 3.18 He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not, that was you and I, is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Folks, we would not come to God if it were not for His grace. If it were not for His mercy. Why? Because our deeds of wickedness would be proved would be reproved by the light of God, the light of truth. No one wants to give up their free will. My aunt poked me right in the chest and she said, don't you take my free will away from me. That's the nature of man. We want to hang on to what little righteousness we think we have, but we have none. And God must show us that. And in showing us that we have none, He shows us the only one who is righteous, our Savior. Every person born of man and woman, of a man and woman, will not look at John, look at first, look at John chapter 6, verse 32 through 40. Then Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven 
and giveth life unto the world. Then they said unto the Lord, Evermore give us this bread. And Jesus answered them, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will. Has God given you the desire to seek his will? But the will of him that sent me. Verse 39, and this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. How could Christ lose anything? It angers me to hear this world say Jesus died for everybody. If the true and living God died for everybody, nobody would go to hell. But we know that's not true, don't we? He should lose none. Nothing. But should raise it up again the last day. And if you didn't understand at that time, he repeats it again in verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him. Do you see how easy the Lord's yoke is? Remember what we said? Come unto me, all ye heavy, that are heavy... Uh, that labor and heavy laden. Coming to me, my yoke is easy. What is his yoke? Believe on him, the Lord Jesus Christ, according to scriptures. Believe on who he is. Believe what the scriptures say about him. He says, I am. You know what that is? That's God eternity. I am the light, I am the bread. I am the life. He is the great I am in the flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ according to the scriptures and thou shalt be saved. Believeth on him. All that believeth on him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up the last day. This is the will of the Almighty, the Creator of all things, the Sovereign God of everything. Christ should lose nothing and He won't lose anything. God in His mercy by grace reveals this to His elect. You can't just figure this out on your own. Many sit down and read the Scriptures and have no understanding of the truth. You know, there are those who worship on Saturday thinking they're still fulfilling part of the law rather than resting in Jesus Christ who fulfilled all of the law for His people. Right there is where the world will stand up and say, See, John's preaching that you should go out and do whatever you want. You don't have to follow the law at all. And they're missing the whole fact I'm telling you, you can't. It's our desire. I want to be good. But somebody's going to cut me off on the freeway and I'm going to get mad at him again. Somebody's going to tempt me to deceive something like not tell everything about my taxes and I may just fall for it again. I don't know. I hope I don't. I don't want to. I'm going to try not to. But I can't. 
Or maybe I'll tell the truth and say, see how good a person I am? That's just as bad. You get my point? How many people are saying, yeah, that's me. That's what I would do too. We need grace, don't we? We need a Savior, don't we? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Apostle Paul opens his letters with some form of this phrase. He says, grace and peace in every one of his letters. That's how it's presented. First comes grace, then comes peace. With peace we have rest. With peace we don't have to work for it anymore. With peace we know that our God has provided everything. What is His peace? Listen to the words of Matthew eleven twenty eight again. It says, Come unto me. That's where you come to find peace. And He speaks to those who labor and are heavy laden. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And He says, I will give you rest. He didn't say, I'm going to give you something and you've got to do this to earn it. He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What was the yoke of Christ? He took all of the sins of His people upon Himself, died, was buried, and rose again. That's the yoke of Jesus Christ. Take His yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek Can we understand how meek the Almighty is in laying down His life, becoming flesh to be our servant? Can we understand how lowly in heart the One who left His majesty behind and became the servant of men? If you can grasp it just a little bit, He says, Ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How will He show you rest? By showing you His Son, the Lord Jesus. The Lord of the Sabbath. The Lord of all. All things have been put into His hand. This is the rest. There is rest in His, in this word, salvation is of the Lord. You see, folks, John 3.14, we read these words, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Where are you going to find rest? In the Lord of the Sabbath? The Lord of rest? It's because of Him that we have hope and we have assurance. It's because of Him that we have peace. It's because of Him that we have rest. Because the Son of God became flesh, we have an assurance of His righteousness and we put aside the earning, uh, trying to earn our own. Doesn't mean we won't try once in a while, but we fail at it. Then we fail at it. We realize there's only one righteousness and that's our Savior, Christ Jesus. Because of the blood that He shed that day on the cross, with the blood of our Creator, we have assurance that the purpose it was shed for will be accomplished. I don't need to help. He's already done it all. There's nothing I can do to help Him. He's done it for me perfectly. His blood was perfect and God accepted it because He was obedient even unto the death of the cross. 
We have assurance that our sins have been judged. Because God has raised His Son from the dead, we have assurance that God the Father has accepted His sacrifice as ours. He has provided His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus, as our substitute. Just because we are saved, though, doesn't mean that we won't have conflict in this flesh. It does not mean that we won't have doubt, wondering, am I saved? Listen to these words by the Lord himself, Luke 12, 51. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth? I tell you nay, but rather division. Folks, there's going to be trials every day of our life. In fact, quite honestly, since the Lord called me out of darkness, it seems like there's a trial every day. Where is my peace? Where is my peace as I deal with the troubles that the Lord brings my way? It's in this. It's, it's knowing all things are purposed by the Creator. All things, He says, are for my good. I may not understand that. There's going to be times where I'm going to sit in my chair and put my hand in my, my face in my hands and cry. Cry hard. Lord, if you would, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, thy will be done. We have a dear, dear brother whom I love much who is going through the worst trial he says he's ever gone in his life. He's having to come face to face with the fact that he can't do. His body just won't do what it used to. He spent 50 years building a beautiful home for his wife and him. And now he has to walk away from it. You don't think that's a trial? You don't think that's a, a tribulation? We're proud men, aren't we? Don't we have a little pride in ourselves, Roger? Got a little pride in the way we keep our homes, don't we? I got a little pride in the fact that I was able to get up and physically go out and mow the lawn yesterday. And I know you guys feel the same way. Don't tell me you don't. I know you do. I got a little pride in the fact that I've made a little bit of this of this home of mine. Our Lord knows how to break our pride. To give us a broken heart and a contrite heart that looks to Him. Pray for our brother. Our Lord will divide His people from this world. Trials and tribulations will follow us till we leave this body of death behind. Our peace is not of this world. Our peace is in knowing who He is according to Scripture. Our peace is in knowing what He has done according to Scripture. Our peace, our rest, is knowing where He is right now, making intercession for you and I. I've saved this one already. What this one is thinking this very moment, 
I've already paid for. And I paid for it with my life, laying down his life for you and I. 